Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another OUinsider.com podcast. I am joined by OUI staff writer Colin Kennedy. Colin, how you doing, man? Uh, Always fun to talk sports with you, my man. I'm excited to get into it. Right on. So, some news. Earlier this afternoon, OU picked up a commitment of the transport portal variety. Enlighten us, good sir. Well, uh, they pick up Emoje Gibson. Okay. He is a former North Texas combo guard standout, a Conference USA regular season champion, and someone who, as maybe our members on OUinsider.com might remember, I had alluded to long before this transfer took place, that he would be a very good fit in Long Kruger's system and on the OU basketball program. And apparently that's exactly what happened when the Sooners met with Mo Gibson, or as they call him down in Benton, Mo Buckets. They basically said, look, man, we're going to let it fly when you're in the system. You can shoot the three ball at a high clip, which I know you're comfortable in doing. And at the same time, your your prowess defensively, specifically creating turnovers, is going to really help us moving forward. And so I think it's a great pickup. I'm really excited about this one because I think, number one, he's a really down-to-earth, quiet kind of leader. He'll, he'll kind of set an example, if you will. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, nearly shot 40% from three, averaged 14.5 points per game, hit 41.2% shots from the field. I mean, the guy just did it all. He led the team with steals and 44. I mean, no matter what you ask of this guy, he's going to do it. He's going to do it at a high level. He, he went to North Texas because his pops, went to UNT, got a shot, really made a name for himself. But he played alongside the Conference USA Player of the Year and now I believe he's trying to find a way to cement himself in his own right as a potential NBA draft prospect. So I've been staying in touch with the family, with him. It's been a very intriguing process. I know the whole crew is excited about it, and I think a lot of Sooner fans should be very excited about having Mo Gibson in Norman, Oklahoma. And this comes on the heels of Jamal, Jamal Bienemy announcing he's going to enter the transfer portal. Not necessarily a productive guy on the stat sheet, but played a bunch of minutes for Kruger and handled the ball. Do you think this fixes that process of him leaving? Because I understand, you know, Corbin Merritt, but then the enemy, you didn't really expect that to go through. I get Harmon's good, but you like to have them both, I would assume. Yeah, you would like to have both those guys on the roster, especially because they have such a strong chemistry off the court, and sometimes that translates onto the floor. But at the same time, I think this really opens the door for Davion to be himself. I think this is going to really allow him to be the true point guard, the facilitator of the offense. And I'm not sure that he necessarily received that in full opportunity last season, and it, it kind of put him in an uncomfortable position. And so, look, I, you won't find a bigger fan of Davion Harmon than me. I, he's an outstanding kid. I love being around the guy. His family is just incredible. The guy deserves everything, and, and there's not enough words in an article or time in a podcast to describe this kid's work ethic and determination. With that being said, it's just hard to truly be so successful like you anticipate unless you're allowed to do what you want to do, and I think Jamal Bienemy was kind of that cloud hanging over Davion, and now 
it's it's unfortunate to say now that Jamal's gone, now that Davion lost one of his good friends, this may be what opens the door for his future success. And then when you bring in Mo Gibson to replace the enemy, kind of what I said on OU Insider a long time ago when I was writing about why this would make sense, Davion can play the point or play the two. The best thing about Mo Gibson is he played primarily the two, but he's he's been very vocal and behind the scenes that he wants to play a little bit more of the one. And so you take Davion out, then you have an established point guard who can score to replace him. You put Davion in, this guy played the two for a very, very good basketball team a season ago. And oh, by the way, he put up 21 points on OU last season in Denton. So he knows a thing or two about scoring off the ball. I just think it's a great fit. I, I don't want to say that this is an upgrade from Jamal because we'll see how this all pans out. But at the same time, I mean, it's not too far-fetched to say Jamal didn't necessarily have the best year last year. So in that regard, I think you're going to get a lot more out of Gibson. I'm excited to see how these two work together in the backcourt. Gives me an opportunity to ask this question. How does Bijan Cortez fit into the program next year? Yeah, that's kind of what's really interesting for me is Bijan Cortez, the 2021 guy, and then Trey Phipps, the 2020 guy that signed the dotted line. They both are now kind of taking a back seat, if you will. They'll have a little bit more time to develop. I think this kind of allows Bijan, who's probably the more point guardish of the two, to learn behind Davion Harmon and Mo Gibson. Well, the two are on roster. Let's if we anticipate Davion being there. Right. And then at the same time, I think Phipps, Phipps is going to learn a ton from Mo specifically because I think Phipps is going to be a combo guy, and I think Mo is the epitome of what you want in a combo guard when you think about shooting the three-point ball at high percentage, being consistent in your offensive shots, being able to facilitate when asked to, and then the big thing for me is Mo knows how to disrupt passing lanes and create turnovers and lead to offense whether it's scoring or passing. And so for that reason, I think when you talk about those two young guards that are potentially making their way to the program here very soon, I think this is another very welcomed addition of Mo Gibson because he's going to allow you to really mentor these guys. He'll help Davion Harmon, who's the projected leader moving forward. It just makes a ton of sense all the way around from a leadership and development perspective. So it feels as if Lon has himself set up for the next couple of years in both guard spots, but that's never been the issue, at least as long as he's been the men's basketball coach at Oklahoma. It's been about a presence inside. And having had some of those guys that can help you, Ramiro Osby, Ryan Spangler among them, Kadeem Latin when he was on, uh, certainly not when he was off, Jamani McNeese later in his career, certainly. I wonder, is is it always just going to be OU being a low post man or two, in some cases, away? Or do they have something that, frankly, we just don't know about yet? I think kind of the big battle there, kind of like you're mentioning, Oklahoma's done a really good job of recruiting and developing guards, as you mentioned. But I'm kind of with you there. I think that this thing is really a low-post piece away from being an established program. And and who knows? I mean, I'm very high on Rick Asanza, the one center who – Took a redshirt season last year. I thought when I went out to practice to watch these guys, Asanza really looked good. But obviously, you want to take time to develop your seven foot one center so that they're not completely lost out there with all that athleticism on the floor. And so, that being said, you kind of now have to hope that Asanza is the guy moving forward, or maybe Brady Manick and Kirk West can form an 
very formidable duo because Doolittle being gone is a major blow. So you you kind of looked at it last year. I don't know if we called Doolittle the inside presence that you're speaking about, but he was definitely that form of scoring whenever they needed it, wherever it came from. And now that you don't have that, I think it's very interesting to see how they're going to replace whoever's going to man the middle. I would anticipate they have an answer for that because you don't make some of the moves that they're going to make right now unless you feel pretty comfortable on the down low. But at the same time, I'm still with you. I still feel like there's something to be had when it comes to the five spot for the Sooners rotation. Yeah, Doolittle would make me just as happy as he would upset every time he took a shot from 25 feet out, depending on whether or not it went in. You know, uh, but no, I I was really you hit it. I was hitting on a power forward type of player, um, perhaps a, a small forward that stretches into a power forward. And I guess we all wanted Brady Manic to be that, but he is he's just not. He's just, he's a he's a long shooter. And at, at his best, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He's a stretch four. Uh, Let's go from that to this. C.D. Lamb said in an IG Live interview that he had spoken with three teams in particular as we are about two weeks away from the draft, right? And I'm Mm going to lay them on you uh, one at a time to get your feelings. So the first one that he mentioned was the Jets at number 11. How do you feel about that? I feel like right now that's his most likely destination. I'm actually going to be piecing together a mock draft here pretty soon of my own. I usually do one every year. I'm excited to put it out. But right now, if I had to put a mock draft and I were anticipating what's going to happen, not what I feel should happen, I would say CeeDee Lamb ends up in a New York Jets uniform just because when you look at that roster, man, they lost Robbie Anderson to free agency, if I remember correctly. They don't have a playmaker to save their lives. And I'm not a huge Sam Darnold guy in my own right. So if you're going to make that guy the franchise quarterback, you've got to find established weapons. And to me, C.D. Lamb is that dude. Now, I also feel like the Jets should really evaluate whether or not they want to take a left tackle. I feel like if Beckton is there from Louisville, that's an option that they should really consider. But to me, that's where you kind of have to figure out what management really prioritizes. I feel like left tackle is easily a more valuable position than wide receiver these days in the NFL. But at the same time, it's hard for me to overlook the talent of CeeDee Lamb. And so for that reason, the New York Jets being one of those three teams doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I feel like at the end of it all, he's probably going to end up in a Jets uniform. I would disagree with you for a reason that you brought up. I don't know that Beckton would be there. I might actually try to trade up to go get Werfs because I, I like him that much. And that tackle position is one that lasts for a decade, not a few years, but several. And you have the most upside from that. And and quite frankly, the highest floor, right? Uh, Not just from his athleticism, but just by the nature of the position that he plays. And if you can seal that left side, if you can make sure that it's your Joe Thomas position on a bad team, you give Sam Darnold an opportunity to do what he does best, and one of the reasons why that you drafted him so highly. 
I get not everybody is a Le'Veon Bell fan. Uh, I am of his game. I enjoy it. I also think you can get a wide receiver late in this draft, let alone in the NFL. And I think it's, it's an easier position for you to get in free agency or via trade than any offensive tackle that's worth a damn. I mean, take a look at Jack Conklin and how excited Cleveland was to get their hands on him coming out of Tennessee. So I'll push back on that because I just, as much as I love C.D. Lamb, he plays a dependent position and on a team where you have so many holes to fill. To fill, as a general manager, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet it all on skill guys in the first round unless I need a quarterback. And we all know the quarterback's a little bit different. I'm going to go with interior linemen, defensive or offensive, depending on my need and the best available. So. I could see it from your standpoint, absolutely, because losing Robbie Anderson was also a move they wanted to make by letting him sign with Carolina, but also not something that is a death blow. Like if they'd have lost a outstanding offensive lineman or defensive lineman, then I would be concerned. But you got Quentin Williams on one side, you got Sam Darnold on the other. Now let's take let's see if we can't protect Sam Darnold for a little bit longer. Also, you weren't bad last year. Your your quarterback had mono. I don't, I don't want to say that the Jets are, are better than we think, but I certainly think that roster's talented, and I certainly think that if you can just solidify the offensive line, you're going to be a lot better. Um, let me move to the next team he spoke, said he spoke with, and that would be, surprise, surprise, the Raiders, for which, you know, there's lots of thought out there to say that the Raiders should take a C.D. Lamb. What do you think? I think that if they have the opportunity to, they definitely should think about it. I mean, I feel like Gruden's the definite wild card in the CD Lamb race because in the blink of an eye, he could make some sort of move and grab him whenever he wants. But at the same time, you just never know what's going on in that guy's head. And so for that reason, when you look at the Raiders, they got a decision to make a quarterback. I mean, Carr, bringing in Mariota, if I remember correctly, he's now the highest-paid backup QB in the NFL. I mean, I don't know what their projections are as a quarterback position, but if you're going to evaluate these guys, you better have some sort of talent so that you can just purely evaluate them and not the other terrible pieces around it. So if I'm Vegas and I'm trying to get some dudes to surround these questionable quarterbacks with, I know CeeDee Lamb is going to give me my very best. I know they're also thinking about Jerry Judy pretty heavily. I wouldn't blame him for taking either. But at the same time, I just think C.D. Lamb, when you're looking at what the Raiders want to do, you need a sure-handed wide receiver. In my opinion, C.D. Lamb is one of the best, if not the best. And so for that reason, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he ends up with Vegas. And I think it would honestly be a pretty decent fit. I'm with you on they need a wide receiver, and they can afford to because they've done a lot of work on the front end and they've given themselves all of these picks by, well, trading away one prodigious talent and seemingly drafting another one with that pick in Josh Jacobs, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, I have his autographed jersey in the living room because Tulsa McLean, that's that's what we do in North Tulsa. I appreciate that. And and when Dax Hill gets there, I'm going to get his jersey, and I already have Justice Hill's jersey, and, you know, so forth, so on. But those those are my guys. North Tulsa kids have my entire heart, and I'm so glad that they used that pick and it's panning out. That said, they need a wide receiver, even if it ain't for Derek Carr, just for that for that offense. As much as you might want to throw shade at Amari Cooper and how he fits or doesn't fit into their scheme, it was clear to everybody just how devoid of talent they were last year at that position. Now, if CeeDee Lamb is available, yeah, especially if T. Higgins and Jerry Judy are gone, which is 
on the table, right? It's a possibility. But mm-hmm. I wonder, because I saw Mike Mayock travel to Stillwater to see C.D. Lamb. And I know it was C.D. Lamb because that's what he wrote atop his binder when he was sitting in front of me at Boone Pickens Stadium. What I don't know is did he do the same with Clemson and did he do the same with Alabama? I would think so because Mayock strikes me as the kind of guy who not only does his due diligence, he is disciplined in his evaluations. So that's an interesting space. I think wide receiver for sure. And if CD is the best available wide receiver, I think you take him. Now, if it's a conversation between Jerry Judy and CD Lamb, pick one. <laughs> like I just, what 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 don't you like about the other one? Like that's what it comes down to. Like you can't go wrong either way. Yeah, it's like I you know, uh, I I don't like his dreads. I like his dreads. I I don't know. Like it's it it feels at this point like it's an either or proposition. I get the the comps though, right? Uh, we talk about CD Lamb being comp to DeAndre Hopkins or Gil Brandt gave it to Des Bryant. What he's saying is the dude's catch radius is half the football field. That's what I read there, right? And it's not that Jerry Judy's catch radius is small. It's just that that ain't the way that he has been taking apart defenses. He catches the ball in the right spots at the right time because he's running such great routes, and he's stupid fast, right? He's he's a 4-4 four, four guy. Do I have that right, Colin? 4-3, four, 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, I think he was like low 4, yes. low 4-4. Four, That's what I thought. So, I mean, if you want straight line speed, fine. But in that offense— it feels like you want a guy that's going to make plays after the catch, and that's that's CeeDee Lamb's bag. So, I again, you could talk yourself into either one of them, but I, I'm with you. If, if Lamb is the best available, absolutely. If it's you've still got three wide receivers there that you like, you're really going to have a, a hard time there, and I, I think that's a challenge that Mayock and John Gruden want. The last team that was brought up for C.D. Lamb in, uh, in his IG Live interview was the 49ers at 13. 11, 12, 13. And we'll get to the Cardinals here in just a second, but what do you think about the Niners talking with CD? Well, the Niners are really intriguing. And I think uh, if they can pull that off, that's a huge boost for a team that's definitely on the rise. I mean, look, I I know that a lot of people aren't exactly enthusiastic about what the 49ers do offensively from the terms of Jimmy Garoppolo being kind of boring. But at the same time, I'm a huge fan of the young Shanahan leading the way. I love his offensive game. I think he calls a great scheme. I think CeeDee Lamb in that offense would be very, very lethal. And so for that reason, when you talk about, for example, like when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta and Julio Jones was going bananas, it was just so much fun to watch this guy not only dominate from a physicality standpoint because Julio Jones is that dude, but at the same time, Shanahan's calling this guy open and you're thinking, how is this guy who's so big and so fast and so physically imposing, open on almost every single play. It's because of Shanahan. I think that's exactly what he could do with CeeDee Lamb. And if that works out, man, I mean, CeeDee Lamb going out there to the Bay Area, that's a nice fit in my opinion. It is a surprising one, but if it works out, I would be very, very happy if I were a one CeeDee Lamb ending up in that golden and red uniform. I don't see the fit, man. Like, that's... I don't see the fit. I see Debo Samuel out there, who they went in a bunch of end-around stuff to and was a physical presence for them on the outside. Uh, we all know about Kittle. We know that it's insert running back here, even as I think Mike Breda and Raheem Moser ought to get more credit than they do. But, you know, Kyle Juszczyk is 
one of the last great, if not the last great fullback in the NFL right now. And so much of that offense, as you just said, depends on how Kyle Shanahan schemes it. And what he schemes it to do is run the ball. And because they're so good at running the ball, you can have guys running free. You can have guys that get man coverage. You can also get some really intense patterns out there where you have defenders that are getting crossed up and their pattern matching defense is not always as sharp as it should be. But what CDA does well ain't what Jimmy Garoppolo does well. You know what I mean? Like, that that dude's a mm-hmm. West Coast quarterback if ever there was one. And I say that mean not necessarily mean it as a dig. I just mean be do what you're good at. And if you're Rich Gannon, you know, on the cover of Playgirl, then be Rich Gannon on the cover of Playgirl. It's fine. But why would you draft a dude that stretches the field and takes advantage of uh, – basically having a safety over the top more than anything else. Like, he's that guy. He likes having the safety over the top of the cornerback. He likes having the corner think that he is safe. He also likes challenging your flags and your post. He's, I mean, he can run digs, and he did, and he can do the jet sweep thing, and he did, but that was because I'm not certain that Jalen Hurts was the best option at quarterback for C.D. Lamb, especially of the three that he's had, right? So mm-hmm. may, maybe if that's what you think you have, and that's the kind of style you want to you want to run C.D. Lamb through, is kind of like what he did last year, where it's, hey, we're going to dump it to you when we can, but for the most part, you're going to catch a bunch of this stuff and then try to turn it into big gainers on your own. Didn't you draft D- Debo Samuel to do that? Like, I, I just, it's curious to me. Now, maybe maybe they're thinking that, th- that he falls to them because John Gruden fakes everybody else out and takes an edge rusher and, Perhaps the Jets uh, take an edge rusher or another wide receiver not named C.D. Lamb. I don't know. I just, I thought it was interesting. And I I thought they were going to do something entirely different with that pick. Um, All right, so now let's talk about the Arizona question. They're at eight, right? They made the trade for DeAndre Hopkins, which feels feels like Steve Kime went to Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury said, you guys want the dude that's like DeAndre Hopkins or you actually want, you know, just DeAndre Hopkins? (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, right? And it was like, wait a second. You can get us DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, I can get you DeAndre Hopkins. Make the trade. Like, it was like I felt like that's how they had to go. Because we were doing, oh, yeah. yeah, he fits right in. He'd be great. And then it was like, no, we'll just get you the real thing. Bro, and they got him for a bag of potato chips, too, because right. Mr. O'Brien didn't know what the heck he's doing down there in H-Town. Goodness me. He is playing with Texans' feelings like they just don't matter, man. <laughs> Hey, but that's a great pickup on the other end of things. Now, obviously, that certainly impacts the guy we're talking about. Yeah, so where do you think? Do you think they're playing coy and they might make a a move to go get Lamb to, to pair with Hopkins, knowing Larry Legend's only going to play for so much longer? I would help pay that contract. That's how bad I want to see that thing trio. Like, that would be so much fun. We have CeeDee Lamb, Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Newcomkins all in the same receiver core. Just think about that. Like, I can't even fathom what Kyler Murray could do with all of those weapons at his disposal. That being said, I don't know that's the move that's going to happen. In my opinion, I think it would be really fun, not only just a fun move, but I think it would really help them moving forward because once Larry Legend retires, you definitely want someone to kind of offset DeAndre Hopkins. And in my opinion, you get C.D. Lamb, a talent of that caliber, paired with those two kind of guys, have him learn under them for a year or two. I mean, there's no telling how much better C.D. Lamb could be 
But if anyone's going to get it out of him, I feel like those two guys could certainly do it. And so I feel like if you want to try and make this offense a Big 12 caliber, Cliff has got to go get that man, C.D. Lamb. Like, go get this dude. You know he's got the great chemistry with your quarterback. You know he's going to be one day one of the better receivers in the NFL, in your system specifically, because he's probably comfortable with it. That being said, I think the smart move, and we would all kind of agree here, is to go get Kyler Murray some protection. Because that Cardinals offensive line is bad on a good day. And I don't really think they have anything figured out at this point. I know they brought in a couple of guys in the offseason, but you got to go get somebody that can help keep Kyler upright. Because as good as he is running around, Kyler Murray's even better when he has time in the pocket. And so for that reason, I would love to see C.D. Lamb. Like I will do anything to see him in a Cardinals uniform with all of those other players. But at the same time, I'm expecting Arizona to look elsewhere because, as we mentioned, they didn't just go for the next DeAndre Hopkins. They went and got DeAndre Hopkins for nothing, and now it's time to make your roster even better incrementally with other pieces surrounding. Yeah, shout-out Bill O'Brien picking up Brandon Cooks and actually sending back a second and a fifth, and I'm going, what are you doing? Anyway, I th- I'm with you. <sighs> I'm with you in that I expect them to make a move at offensive line, not because I believe the offensive line was so bad as many do. I think Kyler was a rookie and he held on the ball too long because if you're if you're looking at their pass rush rate or pass win rate, pass rush win rate, they're giving him the appropriate amount of time in the NFL to get the ball out. Like I want to say it was up around three seconds or just under, right? Two and a half seconds is mm-hmm. is all you're promised, right? That's that's good. He's getting time. He's just moving because he's he's a rookie and he can move, right? On the other hand, you already have a stable of wide receivers, man. You have DeAndre Hopkins now to go along with Larry, but you also have Andy Isabella. You also have Christian Kirk. You also get Hakeem Butler. We're just going to act like the dude that everybody compared to LeBron James playing wide receiver ain't there. You know, uh, you can get— That's my guy. Well, I mean, it, look, I will never forget him dragging Curtis Bolton's dead body over the center of Ames. Like, it was just—it's it, going, wait a second, that's a wide receiver. You know, the other guy that that, that strikes me was DeQuil, uh, DeQuil Williams. Remember Duke Williams and how large he was? Mm-hmm. And we're going, wait a second— that guy doesn't play wide out. That's an edge rusher. That's a defensive end. Not in Malzahn's offense. That guy catches passes. We're going, wait a second. No, I, I think that they have an embarrassment of riches as it stands. And, and even that, that was even before they got DeAndre Hopkins. I would put them up there as a top five receiving core. So I think, yeah, you, you make an upgrade at offensive tackle if you can, if Makai Becton is there. If you can get him in shape, if you can coach him up. And I think that's going to be the challenge, right? Tristan right. Wirfs is ready to play tomorrow. He's in shape, his head is in the right space, and he's a superior athlete. Makai Becton might be a better athlete than Tristan Wirfs, and that's a 315, 20-pound man that ran 4'8 in the 40. Tells you a lot. But it was about him being in shape and about his head being in the game. And what we learned is you, you, draft, you, you draft the talent, right? Because you can't teach talent. You hope you can teach him the game and that he'll listen to you. So if you're an offensive line coach at Arizona, you're either going to be told, make it work, or you're going to go and be asked, can you make it work, and then give your definitive answer. I, I go back to what I say. I use my first-round picks on interior linemen, if at all possible, right? Unless I have an absolute glaring need at a skill position that just can't be ignored or something I don't think I can get in free agency because I'm strapped, like New England Patriots, for instance— I, I'm gonna go get I'm gonna get the offensive lineman. Um, 
All right, I want to finish with this. I put out a request for mailbag questions on the Twitters. Uh, told people they could hit me up at my email, and I told them they could hit me up on uh, the channel comments on, on my YouTube channel. And I got back a, a lot of responses. I hope to get to each and every one, but I'm going to lay this one out here. This is from Omar. He didn't tell me where he's from. He just sent me the email. He said, RJ, I just spent $600 on getting an OU Shut F7, CD Lamb's helmet model, sent to my apartment. Is that a purchase you can get behind, or is the quarantine getting to me? I need an adult. <laughs> Omar. Wow. You got my whole heart. You just spent you just spent apartment rent money on on a helmet. <laughs> on on a helmet that looks like CD Land's helmet. Now, I need to add in there. Mm -hmm. Custom helmets for uh, from Shut in this model can be a thousand dollars, right? So as as large a sum as that seems to be, um, it gets larger. Also add to this, this is why so many kids have a hard time playing football when they're younger. Because pads and helmets and everything you need to play the sport cost a lot of money. It's why you don't see kids that look like me playing a lot of baseball or a lot of hockey. It's a cost prohibitive sport, right? And if you're going to ask us to play those sports, you need to find out ways to subsidize it. High school football does this mm -hmm. very well, right? This is one of the reasons why you see more kids that look like me playing high school football than you'd see at middle school or at the elementary level. That said, Omar, does it make you happy? Like, that's where I'm at right now in quarantine. I discovered Westworld through the help of my girlfriend, Laurel, and I housed two seasons. And you know what? Uh, I'm caught up on, on season three. And I love this show. But I would not have found this show if... I wasn't looking for some happy. I've read five books in the past six days, and dude, some of it has been great, but more than anything else, I just got a little bit more, not time on my hands, but I need happy, right? Because I feel like, Colin, for you and I, this just doesn't change a whole lot about how we work, you know? Um, mm -hmm. We still work, but now it's it's little things, right? Like, we can't go out to eat. Uh, like. One of the first things that Colin did for me when we were getting to know each other is he, he bought me dinner at uh, the airport. And I was thinking about that the other day and that I couldn't just go meet and have a meal and that would bring me down. You know what I mean? Um, so I'll throw it to you, Colin. What do you think of Omar's $600 purchase on a helmet? <laughs> hey, man, as long as you got rent money, I I'm okay with it. But I'm kind of concerned about that bank account. I'm not even going to lie. Like, if I made a purchase like that, I'm definitely calling my mom and dad and be like, yeah, I'll probably be living in a cardboard box next week. Oh, that being said, hey, I'm with you. Anything that makes you happy, especially in these times where there's not a whole lot we can do, I I'm all for it as long as you got the means. That being said, I hope everybody's finding ways to stay positive and enjoying themselves in this quarantine. So keep staying inside, keep making sure you're staying safe, keeping those families in check, because I know it feels like this thing's been hanging over us for a minute, but at the same time, once we can finally be out there and we can do what we want to do in a safe manner, it's just going to make it all that more appreciative for us. And so, hey, I I'm happy the guy is spending his money the way he wants. It's his business. I I'm proud of him for doing it, but make sure we're all doing things like that and not, you know, maybe making things dangerous for others maybe because for us it just makes us happy so yeah, that's my take on it i'm happy for him absolutely uh we're gonna we're gonna talk again before the draft but as we walk out of here uh fun question and put you on the spot 
how many first round draft picks will Oklahoma have? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with three. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go with three. And I'm going to tell you that once that NFL mock draft of mine drops before the draft next week, you will see my reasoning behind it. Okay. All right. He's, he's going to try to get Neville Gallimore and Kenneth Murray on the board. I like it. All right. Uh, I am not that bullish. I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with two. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got a hard time seeing three. And then if you told me that two of the, if you told me this time last year that Oklahoma was going to have three first-round draft picks, and two of them were going to be on the defensive side of the ball, not only would I have taken you up on that bet, I would have tried to double the wager. I'd have been like, ah, no, nah, nah, let's, let's take this one to the wall. And the idea that, mm-hmm. that that's what could happen, right, let alone what will happen, but that it's on the table speaks volumes about the players and about the coaching and about the job they did because I know that we spent a lot of time harping on the atrocities of the Peach Bowl and how embarrassing that was to watch for some of us. But Kenneth Murray Jr. deserves everything that's coming to him. Neville Gallimore worked for five years to get to this spot and needed all five years. And, of course, CeeDee Lamb did what we expected many of the kiddos in the 2017 class to do, even as it kind of felt like it was off to a slow start when you realize, oh, yeah, now that he's in the 1A spot at wide receiver, you get to really see what he's able to do. And you get to see him do it with a dude that ain't going to be drafted number one overall and it didn't win the Heisman Trophy. So that's, I think that C.D. Lamb's stock was helped by, I don't want to say lesser quarterback, but that's the word that comes to mind. Lesser quarterback than Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I don't think that that's shade. Is that shade? No. Okay. I mean, it's an okay. obvious statement. Okay. So. <laughs> well, just, I, I, somebody is going to yell about it. And if you do, uh, send all your yeah. hate mail to at ckennedy247 on Twitter. Um, oh. <laughs> man, Colin, I'll handle that light work. <laughs> Appreciate that, my man. That uh, was real nice uh, of you. Oh, my God. Uh, I have deleted my Twitter account, so you can't find me. Uh, Colin, thanks, man. This is fun. Yes, sir. Always appreciate it. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. See ya.